Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 296 with a review of X-Men Days of Future Past. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. If you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are traveling back in time and we are taking on the 37th film in the X-Men franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not falling for it this time. <laughs> 37 is... I don't know why 37 is my go-to number. I don't know. I believed it for Marvel. X-Men... I'm going to believe 8, maybe? 37 is your go-to number because, uh, like that line in Clerks, she did something to 37 (laughs) penises. (laughs) What was that terrible movie that came out? Movie... Some number that was like the... Uh, 42? Movie 43. Okay, 43. Okay, 43. Okay, not quite quite the same. Not quite 37. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Little shot it a little over. I think it's weird because it's it's like two odd numbers that like you wouldn't just pick out of a hat. Like mm. I don't know. Not... And what was the number Jim Carrey was afraid of? Twenty. Oh, that was twenty three. Twenty three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're narrowing in on it. Yeah, I don't have enough tats to be afraid of twenty three. <laughs> 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 I'm on my way though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We can yeah, cut it. Uh, <laughs> we'll wasn't cut it? <laughs> It was a Apparently miracle on Chris- it was miracle on Thirty Seventh Street, Apparently. right? I mean, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Chris cuts all the jokes that don't land. Apparently. <laughs> So you should know when you're listening to this that what you're hearing are the ones that he thinks landed. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Okay, I don't necessarily cut all the jokes that don't land, but sometimes if there's zero acknowledgement that, that something was said, no, but those are better. That's what a listener wants to yeah, be that's the first they, one to notice the joke. Yeah, but so, they, so, want, they want that awkwardness. Oh, well, well some, sometimes, for instance, the three of us will like all make a joke at once, and I will just you know I'll, I'll time manipulate those a little bit so like they happen in quick succession instead so, of all at once. Which one comes first? <laughs> well, it depends. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, it's it's whatever has the least amount of overlap. I will kind of just shift a little bit, and you know, like spoilers for our last episode when we all said Godzilla at once. We didn't all say Godzilla at once. I, oh boy, oh, I okay. lined those up so that we said it all at once. <laughs> <laughs> but we all tried to do the impression at once. But you know, time differences and drifting of the audio, and you know, yeah, us. I mean, I'm I'm up in San Francisco, so you know. Time runs a little differently up there. and <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, especially after a huge monster attack. I, I mean, sinking the time zones and everything. There's just, you've yeah. already got to shift it by like two hours or something just to make right. that match up. Podcast exactly. magic. Plus, mm-hmm. I'm actually on a spaceship uh, in interstellar travel trying yeah. to head to some world because we're out of food now. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah, know. I was the only one that was, you know, in, in the correct time zone. Yes. Well, yeah. Hollywood's sort of its own universe anyway. That's so true. Who knows it's in its own time zone. It's in its own time zone drenched in pee and. And other things, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Batman P and uh, <laughs> weird Avatar photographers, <laughs> all mm. sorts of weird messes. Exactly, yeah, totally. That's like, totally right. Uh, but anyways, I mean, we are here to talk about uh, a film that you know, like the other Marvel properties, like like the Avengers, is pulling together like several different films uh, <laughs> from different you know different times. You yeah, know? And, and like the Marvel properties, I've only seen a subset of those films. <laughs> yes. So which ones uh, have you seen, Stephen? I've I've seen all the classic, like the X Men movies proper, like one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, one, <laughs> two, three. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I saw Wolverine the pre-cut, like when it was leaked okay, beforehand, oh, and there was origins. no special X Men Origins Wolverine. X Men yeah, Origins yeah, yeah. Wolverine. Yeah, yes. I have not seen the others. Have you seen the Wolverine? No, I have not seen the Wolverine. Okay. Did you see X Men First Class? I did not see X Men oh, First Class. Okay. Oh, so this is gonna be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, I was pretty much being introduced to these young characters for the first time, in a way oh. where it was clear that you were supposed to have seen them before. Yeah. yeah. Probably not the best way of getting introduced to characters. I, I don't know. I don't, we'll see if I missed anything. I didn't. I didn't feel yeah. like I missed too much. No, well, I, I don't think you. I think you could jump in. There were with maybe this some one. some hints of prior pain or something that i didn't know exactly what it was talking about but i don't uh we'll, we'll see we'll yeah, find yeah. out but no i mean it will be interesting to see i mean i, I, I was listening to fighting in the war room podcast and mm-hmm. they they were bringing up the fact that like you know this film is premised on the fact that you are familiar with all these characters and you've kind of been through this process of watching all these films and but there's people who are like of movie watching age now mm-hmm. who were being born when the first of these films were being created so <laughs> so is it okay for a filmmaker to 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 make a film that's like the eighth in a series mm-hmm. that is premised upon you having been alive and have watched all through the last like 
10 years <laughs> with the films. That's really they're, the they're most... They're counting on you to do your homework, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And I don't know, That is it okay? That's like, the filmmaker, this is the most morally ambiguous thing he's ever been accused of, I think, is me. <laughs> <laughs> making a movie that uh, I might not have known when I was a child. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all that, of course. Yes, yes. All right, all right. Well, what do you say we do get into it then? Yeah. All right. We're going to take a look at the trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past and then let you guys know what we thought of this film. Professor? You're going to find this hard to believe. I was sent here for you. From the future? 50 years from now. <laughs> Could you give me that one more time, please? Stay with me. In the beginning, the Sentinels were just targeting mutants. Then they began targeting everyone. They've come a long way to guide us, to bring us together. The X-Men, we need your help. Tell whoever it was that sent you I'm busy. The person who sent me was you. all of us to end this war your beast i don't know what you're talking about pretty strong for a scrawny kid i said you need to leave you and i are going to be good friends you just don't know it yet we're going to need mystique why you're a cold-hearted bitch well don't hold back where's magneto that man is a monster. He's being held a hundred floors beneath the most heavily guarded building on the planet. I know a guy. He'd be a young man now. He's fascinating. He's a pain in the ass. Prison break? That's illegal, you know. Only if you get caught. Charles. Good to see you too, old friend. Uh, this is gonna be fun. There is a new enemy out there. You'll need a new weapon for this war. Everything that happens now is in your hands. Do I make it? No. Okay, so you just listened to the trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, in the story, you know, in the future, there are these giant uh, mechanical devices known as Sentinels that are basically laid waste to both humans and mutants. And this future is very, very grim and bad. And, you know, basically everyone's dying and uh, it's not a bright future at all. It's very, very dark and not good. So the X-Men develop, a, or the remaining X-Men develop a plan to send Wolverine's consciousness back in time to a key event which may have led to the creation of these devices. And uh, if they succeed, then they can undo the existence of these Sentinels. If they fail, well, they're probably all going to die. <laughs> so uh, big stakes here, uh, big film, lots of big actors. Carson, why don't you start us off and let us know what you thought of this film. Okay, well, uh, I will say I'll, I'll try and break this down first because uh, I think it needs to be said. Um, so... Uh, Evan Peters, the actor, plays Quicksilver in this film, and uh, funnily enough, in Avengers Age of Ultron, which comes out next summer, Aaron Taylor Johnson also plays Quicksilver, and more funnily enough, they both were best friends in the first Kick-Ass, which was directed by Matthew Vaughn, who also directed X-Men First Class, so the point of this story where, where does is, kevin bacon come in <laughs> <laughs> kevin bacon is is uh in x-men first class so i guess it all comes back to kevin bacon true it does okay but, i didn't even know yeah. that but, uh, <laughs> i would have known that if i watched the movie but i think the moral of the story is if you're directing the sequel to something that X, that matthew vaughn directed first uh you, you better bring your a game because it usually doesn't end up very well kind of like how kick-ass 2 did uh where it just kind of felt like a vague imitation of what was really good and for my money x-men first class was 
my personal favorite X-Men movie. Um, I, I thought that that movie really brought the tone and like the sense of fun back to what Brian Singer did with the first two X-Men's. Uh, it really uh, kind of washed the bad taste of X-Men 3 and Origins Wolverine out of uh, everyone's mouth, at least out of my mouth. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed First Class. I thought it had a great sense of fun. Uh, I mean, obviously that cast is pretty damn awesome. And, uh, you know, it was cool what they did, how they incorporated the mutants into uh, historical events. And... Um, so, I mean, suffice to say, I was very excited for Days of Future Past. I mean, Brian Singer was returning to X-Men, and I, you know, like I said, I thought he he did a really good job with the first two movies, and they were combining the new cast with the old cast, and, you know, the idea of time traveling back to kind of, you know, right the wrongs of this event, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just sounded like a really awesome story, and... I think when it's all said and done, it's cool to have, like, the chop champions of, like, superheroes all in the same movie, where it's like, yeah, all the cool X-Men are in the same movie, and they're together, and yeah, that's cool, but then at the end of the day, it just, like, it really amounted to nothing, like, I, I kind of felt like that everyone was just taking a nap in this movie, <laughs> and it was all very sleepy, uh, Wolverine was because he had to nap to get yeah, sent back in time. He did have to nap to get back in time, which uh, is weird because normally Ellen Page is the one that has to be uh, dreaming in order to make stuff true. happen. That's true. Yeah, exactly. She uh, she set the whole thing up, so she constructed the whole thing. But mm. uh, yeah, like it just it, it kind of felt like. Now I enjoyed it more than Godzilla, but it kind of had that same feeling where like it really amounted to nothing. Like the the scope of it didn't seem very large and a lot of it just felt really kind of cheesy but it was being taken so seriously and uh it was kind of the polar opposite of what first class was which was having a lot of uh cheeky fun with all of the uh x-men characters and but i i will say that like it's watchable for sure. Like I, I was never bored during the movie. I think like this cast alone, like the fact that like you have Michael Fassbender and Hugh Jackman and James McAvoy and Jennifer Lawrence, like all these great actors, like on screen is like enough to keep you interested, even though what's going on isn't all that interesting because I mean, yeah, I just, <laughs> because to me, reasons <laughs> because of things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, of the Vaughn principle that you mentioned at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. the, the the Vaughn the Vaughn algorithm didn't uh, didn't uh, work out in this uh, film. But uh, yeah, and, like honestly, what it came down to was it felt like this was just a two hour movie devoted to uh, erasing the Brett Ratner version <laughs> and all of the Wolverine prequels, except for I guess the last one. But and and I like this one better than those, but. Honestly, like, if that's all you're comparing it to, then, uh, yeah, of course it's going to be better than those, because those set the bar so low. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I just was kind of iffy on it, so I'll, I'll send it to you, Steven. Yeah, let's go yeah. to the man who hasn't seen X-Men yeah, first the class. Man, the man who all he's comparing it to are things that set the bar so low. <laughs> um, okay, so keep in mind, the last real X-Men movie that I saw, especially if you ignore the Wolverine one. I, I don't know if you remember when it leaked. It was, like, not completely done, and yeah. reception was Well, it didn't lukewarm. look very much better when the actual product came out. Well, so. yeah, I, I, I don't remember if you remember my comment about it, because I, I did watch the leak also, yeah. and I thought the leak was better than the actual because, finished Because product. you could flesh, you could imagine, like, them finishing it in yeah, a way yeah, that was like, nicer than what you actually got in the Yeah, end. like, the stuff that looked shitty, I was like, oh, well, it's not done yet. Yeah. And then when <laughs> yeah. I saw it when it was done, I was like, oh... Yeah, that was done. <laughs> That's not done yet either. <laughs> so so let's keep in mind the the last final product X-Men movie I saw was X3. Um, um, okay. And so with with that bar in mind, I had plenty of fun with this movie. <laughs> I, I, thought, <laughs> I, I will say I, I don't think the plot, like you said, a lot of it kind of amounted to nothing. Um, this did not feel like a two-hour movie where you, you could feel that there were stakes that they were setting up and a reason for Wolverine to go back. But it isn't it isn't plotted in a way where you feel like 
like the flow of like the build up and then the climax and like everything is at stake and this is the turning point. It just kind of feels like things are happening around the movie. But as a person who wasn't even familiar with the prequel characters to begin with, not not prequel, the uh, is that what you would call it? The, the younger, the young, yeah, the younger yeah, version, yeah, yeah, the, the first class cast. version of them, and just being reunited with the X-Men after so long. Like I had forgotten how badass Magneto was, for instance. That that was an a thing that I forgot in life that was that was nice to be reminded of. <laughs> well the um, last thing you saw him lift was the bridge, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so now now the stakes are even bigger. Yeah now I they're lifting I don't, a baseball I don't know stadium. Which, I don't know which way is more that bridge or I don't know the stadium. We, probably I, Probably the stadium. I'm guessing the Golden Gate Bridge. I think that's where all the Golden Gate Bridge destruction started was with X-Men 3. I'm sure it was destroyed I, I feel like somebody. <laughs> I, I feel like Godzilla back in like like the 30s or something probably destroyed a claymation version of it. <laughs> I, I feel like that's something you would do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. For, for mainly the reasons that Carson called it watchable, the the actors. I mean, there are a lot of good people here. I liked uh, I like Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique too. That's also a new thing for me. Um, I, <laughs> Wait, her in blue or her in general? Uh, her in blue. Okay. <laughs> her in blue in particular. Um, I liked. I mean, Hugh Jackman doesn't really do much of note in this movie. He's just kind of like the things just kind of happen around him in particular. Yeah. Uh, I didn't completely get all the backstory again because I hadn't watched them, but th- that maybe made it more interesting for me because during the uh, during the duds or the lulls in the movie, I could be just trying to figure out, like, what happened. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, oh, say you could be on Wikipedia on your phone. <laughs> You're like, oh, got it. Okay, no, now like, like, no totally. I, I could be trying to figure out, like, what what happened previously, what is motivating this character. There's yeah. so much exposition they've got to do to clear yeah. this up, which, of course, they never did because it's probably cleared up from first class already. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I don't know. I thought the the... I don't normally love time travel stuff because the the ability for paradoxes that are unresolved is so freaking high all the time. Yeah. And I, w- I will not say this necessarily avoided that problem. Uh, I mean, whenever you've got a time travel movie, you have to think, like, they're radically altering the past. And if you've seen the butterfly effect, you know there's no way life is going to be even remotely what it is right now <laughs> with all these friendships and romances and things yeah. like that. Yes. Um, but if you can suspend disbelief, I felt like they at least used the premise in a way that I didn't hate at all. Like I, w- I was okay with the the way that time travel happens and the the point at which it will take effect in the future. Um, I thought the whole idea of the Sentinels and where they come from and why they need to go back and stop it in this way was fairly well thought out, even if maybe during the movie they don't flesh that out very much it's just kind of like a premise to get the ball rolling and then yeah. the behavior of people like magneto don't necessarily reflect any logic that i can that i can see um yeah it was it, it was fun i don't know I, I thought the action <clears throat> was fun i thought the scope of it was entertaining it, it was didn't amount to much but i didn't like hate myself after two hours <laughs> i was gotcha. okay chris what All do you right. think well for me, I am sort of at an existential crisis um, <laughs> because... I see what you did there. <laughs> no, glad, I don't get glad, it. Glad you did. Don't want to have to edit that joke out. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I'm not sure whether to evaluate this film on the logical consistency of the time travel narrative or of the the character pieces and the weight of what is happening. Um so first I'll go into the negative. Um, th- the film makes zero sense, like in the context of having all the other seven films, whatever it is, being in existence. And and yes, because of there's a, there's a time travel narrative, and because they're changing, they allow for for at the end of this film, anything that happens from then on, depending on whether they succeed or fail, can be rewritten. You know star trek style yeah where they can say like hey from this point forward this is truth you know like like they're allowed to retcon whatever they want because they are doing time travel what they're not allowed to do is ignore the fact that no previous x-men film have the sentinels existed 
Um, we get one scene where you see the head of a sentinel destroyed inside the danger room when Wolverine is trying to train some of the younger mutants. I don't remember which movie that is, but it's like that a, was uh, that was the beginning of X three. Okay, well, in the <laughs> beginning of X three, there, there's like an uh, like you know an homage to the fact that sentinels were a thing in the you know universe of the comics and the cartoon and all that kind of jazz. Um, but they haven't existed anywhere. Now in this story, you have like events that take place in the past where X-Men First Class took, took place in that time zone directly lead to the invention of the Sentinels then and the whole world goes to hell because of, of what happens. If that were the case, then in X-Men 1, X-Men 2, and X-Men 3, the world would have been being destroyed by these Sentinels that never existed. Um, so, like, that is really, really hard to... Like, e- even up until the point of of the, like the, basically the final scenes of this I, I'm kind of like able to forgive that because I don't know where it's going mm-hmm. um, and they could because there's a lot of things thrown out there like this idea of like you know throwing a pebble into a river and how it creates ripples but the river overcorrects that and like you know in, in time travel debate there's always these arguments on, on whether you know everything that happened will always happen or anything you do can change everything that can happen and most time travel narratives like will either pick one and stick to it or um, have the characters trying to discover which one it is. And this film attempts to be that, but it sort of wants to have its cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wants to say like, oh, well, like, you know, we can change everything because everyone's dying in the future. So we better be able to change things. But at the same time, they're, they're, they're foreshadowing events that haven't taken place, which took place because of the events in the original timeline. Mm-hmm. So either they could possibly like... There, there, there's a very real scenario in which Wolverine never gets animantium, and like because of the way things work. But they hint that like the events of this film give Stryker or whatever his name is the idea to give him animantium. Um, but at the same time, they also hint that even if Stryker had that idea, maybe he wouldn't go through with that plan. And that's all I'll say about that. Like there, there's lots of things within within the context of the film that that kind of like. After the end of it, I'm like, just like, uh, none of that sort of works. Because I think what you're saying and the question is whether the films we've seen before are in this new modified world at the end of this or meant to be in the world that they're altering, right? Yeah. Is that, is that the question? That is, for me, that is not the question mm. because I've seen all the films. Yeah. And they do stuff at the end of this film that prove <laughs> that those old films were in the old timeline. Okay. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that like, the, there, there are key little nuggets that they throw out that, like, prove that timelines have been altered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like, we have... The, the film itself, as canon, uh, explains that those other films were part of the original timeline in which the Sentinels existed, in which everybody was dying, in which the world was screwed. Unless you wanted to make the argument, which nobody is, the film doesn't, but you could, that they've gone back in time multiple times mm-hmm. and that this is like the sixth time they've gone back and maybe this time they corrected the issue, but other times they were able to stop the Sentinels temporarily, but then they rose, like, the, mm-hmm. you know, what you could, it's time travel, so you can make a million arguments to what it is, but yeah. in what we're presenting in the film, it does a terrible job of explaining the existence of the other films. Um, and that, that, that's kind of sad. Um, well, so the, the way I interpreted it, because I didn't even consider that the previous films were in the new altered timeline like that that didn't yeah. cross and, my mind yeah well they're not so yeah, yeah. so that's cool yeah and the way i considered it it was much like project hydra or something a thing that had gotten kickstarted at this time that's when they got the fundamental technology and then due to random political reasons or whatever it was covered up for a while and yeah. then it came into fruition 50 years later well it could have only been kickstarted in the new timeline because kickstarter wasn't around yet oh yeah that's okay. true yeah <laughs> that's true that it was indiegogo <laughs> <laughs> well see here, here's my thing too is I, I i think you know if i were writing the story which nobody pays me to write stories so whatever um <laughs> but i think the way like i would have been totally fine with um events with this essential character in the past led to the Sentinels being created in the future as opposed to the Sentinels being created in the old time frame. Um, I I think the film suffers from them needing to try to reboot the franchise into this younger uh, actor's story. Um, It's clear that they wanted them to be the focal point of of this film. Um, So 
because they need to do that, the Sentinels had to be gener- created in the in the first class timeline and not in the older timeline. I like I have no problem with um, us seeing before or sorry us seeing after they were invented and then going back to before they're invented as long as we haven't already seen after they're invented in a film in canon for the film franchise um so that's a little i don't know that that has sort of been like bothering me a mm-hmm. lot so if, if i if i stand back and look at this at time at, at a time as a time travel film um and whether it succeeds with its time travel premise i kind of feel like it doesn't um uh, now, if I throw all that out... Treat time travel as a gimmick, which is what I yeah, treated it, it as. If I, yeah, if I treat it as this comic book en- uh, entity, um, this I, I loved this movie. Um, if you throw out all those mechanics, I think, um, un- unlike what Carson was saying, I, I don't think it was a lot of people standing around. I think this is a heavy-ass film. I think the, the events themselves, um, the motivations of the characters, the sheer fact that you have... Like Wolverine, who's this guy that's that 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 in all the other films has kind of been like screw everybody, I'm gonna be on my own because you know I've lived through all these wars and like I don't age like everybody else does and <laughs> basically I've just everyone I know is is dying as I grow up or as I live to to be this old man and I never want to be a part of everything and then finally in the future he has become this guy who who's like part of this team and has grown to love and know everybody and he has to go back to this time and like try to put together these relationships that he's lived in the future and convince these people who are at like part of the worst moments in their time um to be friends again and and to work like i don't know like the only thing the only thing this film didn't have because of the way the time travel mechanic works is him having to recruit himself in the past like that was the only Mm -hmm. thing that was missing as far as like the the emotional um, beats of having having to work between all these characters who like are not you know who are not friends in the past but are friends in the future and even at the end of the last films they're not friends like there are warring factions you know like yeah. the x-men and magneto are not on the same team and then we smash cut to the future where like because of the fact that everything is getting just rocked and the world is going to hell in a handbasket they have to be on the same team and they have grown to have this mutual respect for each other that wasn't really there in the past films um, and definitely not in the the past arc of of the timeline. Um, so, I think I think from that standpoint of the characters and, and the assembling of this like Avengers like team of people and and what they have to do and the sacrifices they're making, um, I I think it's fantastic. Uh, just I mean just just think about um, so in, in the future before they go back in time to try to reset the Sentinel thing, the time travel mechanic is used in a certain way. Um, and just if you think about the way they're using that, the person who is who is using that power, they have to watch everyone else die over and over and over every day, like for as long as they don't die. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Cruise style. Tom, yeah, Tom Cruise style. <laughs> totally. Um, like there's there's a lot of heavy emotion in this film. And for me, all of it worked. Um, and. And like I said, even even the plot itself of what they're trying to do really works for me up until the end. Um, I think uh, I, I think Magneto's uh, motivations, I 100% believe. Uh, I didn't have a problem with what he was doing. I just had a problem with how that resolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I'm fine with him having a bad idea of how to fix a problem that may not fix anything. I'm not okay with like how <laughs> that works out for everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. So. I don't know. What do you guys think about anything I just said? Uh, well, I, I, sorry. Yeah, okay. Carson should jump in. Carson okay. has the informed opinion. Um, well, I mean, I definitely agree that the ending of this movie is like pure fan service um, and that the logical consistencies are completely thrown out the window uh, if you try and put the time travel aspects under a microscope. Uh, I mean, but I was mostly like Steven where I just treated it as a gimmick because like I did not go into an X-Men movie expecting, uh, like, Shane Carruth-level uh, time travel <laughs> aspects. Like, I just knew that, like, something wasn't... This wasn't going to add up, you know? Like, I knew that they probably weren't going to uh, have it be the most accurate of uh, time travels. But, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I think it, for this kind of movie, it's fine. But there is a lot of stuff that just... It doesn't add up. And uh, 
but I really didn't think that really didn't bother me so much. It was mostly just the fact that it it amounted to nothing. And and I mean, you said that there were a lot of like emotionally heavy scenes, but to me, there were no like stakes in the film because I, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, the X Men are not going to stop the Sentinels from killing them all because uh, because they're so, the x they're the x-men they're the the chop champions of they're all together and so one thing where, where i would agree with that is the film presents one moment in history as the clear turning point where they need to stop this or else right. the sentinels will happen and there's not really a reason to believe that because the Sentinel program is still early. Like you can think of a hundred different ways that they could stop it. Yeah. Though there is a gimmick that at least puts a puts a ticking clock on what yeah. events Wolverine can be impacting to alter the past. But there's no. I I never really felt that there couldn't have been a thousand ways. Now that all of these other characters in the past know what will happen, they couldn't have prevented it regardless yeah. of when Wolverine, you know, comes and goes or what future he comes back to. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed uh, when Hugh Jackman gets to the past and he, you know, he meets up with uh, younger Charles and younger Beast and uh, they, you know, they devise that plan to go break out Michael Fassbender from the Pentagon. Like, that kind of chunk right there was actually really cool like i enjoyed that a lot um and i i like the scene in the pentagon with with quicksilver like that was a really awesome scene like i think that out of anything from this movie that is the most memorable thing yeah it's also yeah. the most comic booky the most lighthearted, right. the most fun yes. um, yeah so but i, I but I, I'm just saying that, like, I, that is also another problem because it was, like, Quicksilver as a character. I was like, why didn't they just keep him around? Because he seemed to be pretty handy. Yeah. Well, I, I would say he know. is maybe even more handy than Magneto in terms of how yeah, powerful people yeah. are. Well, and, and here's the thing, too, though. Uh, Quicksilver, personality-wise, he kind of does whatever he wants. The only reason they were even able to recruit him in the first place is because they offered him the chance to break into the most, quote-unquote, the most heavily guarded building right. in the world or whatever mm. so that it was easy for him to go like oh i want to do that because that's something i want to do um and maybe i don't know enough about it to do it on my own but like with your help i could totally do this and then that'll be like another notch in my belt of all the quicksilvery things i've done mm -hmm. um once he's progressed in that there's not necessarily anything left from the like any reason for him to go on like they're like he they would have to do like, like, hey, let me tell you about a future that you're in, but we haven't really known about you <laughs> that <laughs> much. Um, well, and clearly the Sentinels have never met him; otherwise, people would be screwed. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, He's probably like the one mutant who can survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I don't um, know. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I, it was just a thing, something that I noticed. And um, the other thing that I thought was kind of funny was that, uh, you know, in, in first class, it's all revolving around, um, they're, they're doing like a, a riff on the Cuban Missile Crisis and they're saying like, you know, a mutant was the one behind all of this. And here they kind of say how, oh, like Magneto was the reason for JFK's assassination. And, you know, just as a side thing, I was like, oh, well, that's not true. It was like the comedian was the one who killed JFK. Okay, people. <laughs> I, I just thought that was... I, I LOL'd at the JFK reveal, and <laughs> other people in the theater did too, and I thought it was funny that we're at a point now where we can like laugh at the assassination of the president. Yeah, well, it's it's cool now. But Okay, so here's the thing with, with that whole premise. I was thinking about just bleeping Carson out because I don't know how much... like that like It, it, it comes back. That, mm -hmm. that whole punchline comes back for an emotional beat later on, yeah. which I actually think really works. Like, I... I thought that was a fantastic little moment. I thought it was maybe a little too quick, but mm -hmm. the way they bring it back was really interesting. But it's, it's gone on too long, so I'm not going to bleep it out. Um, but uh, the there's a lot of conspiracy in the real life surrounding that. So I think it's, it is culturally relevant to ape off that and, and sort of take it in directions to where, like, these other things that are supposed to be secret or, like, behind the scenes can play into like it's like I, that that wasn't funny to me like i didn't lol at that because um like the same way i didn't lol at it in in watchmen 
Um, the only thing that that the only complaint I have is um, I'm pretty sure assassinating the president is a, an executable offense. I mean, I might be wrong. Executable. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm pretty sure that like <laughs> that like if you kill the president, you get at least lethal injection or something. And I think so. Maybe they don't have plastic needles small enough to be able to lethal injection Magneto. <laughs> Jack Ruby wasn't able to catch Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think that like you don't put him in a you know glass box in the center of the Pentagon if he assassinated the president mm-hmm. that's all i'm saying that that was my main complaint there um but going back to the whole you know steven you're talking about a moment in time where they've traced back these events to that have led to this um well like the real thing that led to it was the cuban missile crisis because that was when um the first show of mutant display outside of little like things here and there that people were saying like you know there was that branch of the cia or whatever that oh you didn't see the movie so i don't know why i'm pointing at you Carson, you know, like there's the, there was the branch in the government that was doing at least some little tiny bit of experimenting with with mutants, like in a positive right. way. Um, yeah. Oliver Platt or whatever, uh, his his little team was like, yeah. oh, mutants are pretty sweet. We could use these. You know, this is pretty awesome. Um, but it really isn't until the end of that film where like Magneto was like throwing nuclear subs, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like you know, like all yeah. these missiles are being fired off and like everything is going to hell that everybody's like oh shit like mutants are really bad so really they could have gone back in time to that event stopped uh uh what's his face um kevin bacon stopped kevin bacon early and mystique wouldn't have gone off and like had to go her own way yeah and professor x wouldn't have gotten shot and paralyzed yeah so you make me really (laughs) want to watch this movie (laughs) (laughs) you should watch first class because it is yeah dude first class is pretty baller yeah, I, I I will say though I did see it on TV. Like I was at my parents' house and it was on TV and I was watching it, and it felt super cheesy and like it probably doesn't hold up. Um, but when I walked in the theater, I was like, holy shit, that movie was so freaking good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it was just the transfer of television and having like the action completely like constantly being stopped to show commercials. Um, but for some reason, it worked less when I watched 30 minutes of it, then it did. Uh, I mean, that, that's usually what happens when you watch it on like TBS and then, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the commercials cut in. It's like, could be sued to TBS. I've got to mention, by the way, we've got a Back to the Future poster right behind me. So <laughs> every mention of Back in Time is even more like Huey lewis than yes. than normal. Gotta get back in time. Yeah, I do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, they, they, they needed a little Doc Brown I think uh, Wolverine needed to get his uh, flux capacitor back to 88 <laughs> miles per hour. His, um, his mind his mind needed to go 88 miles per hour. All right. Well, the la- last thing I'll say is, besides the logical inconsistency, I think really the only other thing this film uh, suffers from, which prevents it from, in my opinion, being like a, a, just a completely stellar uh, you know comic book film, is... Because of the complexity of the story, there's so much exposition that has to happen. And I I don't have a problem with exposition. I just think that, like, the film has to slow down so many times for somebody to say what is happening. Because yeah. without... And, and it's not it's not technically... It's not the arc's fault. It's that we only have so much time to present this material. And we have to do it as much as we can. Like... Uh, I think that if this was like a mini series on HBO or something like that, um, it wouldn't feel too exposition-y because those exposition scenes would be, you know, spread across multiple episodes. Um, but because it has to all be compressed and you can't leave any of this stuff out, you can't leave out like explanations of, of how uh, the, the time travel mechanic works and the pushing of the consciousness and like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and explaining why like it's not just like oh like you know we we were uh when we were trying to arrange when we we're going to be recording this episode the three of us were having a little iMessage conversation and uh Car- Carson mentioned a time constraint but then he joked that he was going back in time and I was like well <laughs> dude if you're going back in time you can go back like you have all the time in the world like mm-hmm. it's the whole thing with time travel but this film creates a premise in which there's a limited amount of time like the th- events back in time are happening in real time with events forward in time and if they don't accomplish their goal in the amount of time people have left in the future, they can no longer continue to mm-hmm. <laughs> to help the past. Right. Um, though, though, like I was saying, it's really only if 
Wolverine can't get enough done to get the ball rolling in time. Yeah, yeah but, but right. also, like, in, in the future, they're being hunted by Sentinels. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. if the Sentinels arrive and kill them, like, that that severs the connection with the past. And, like, all of a sudden, the Wolverine in the past has no clue what he's been trying to help everybody yeah. do. So, like, there's there's... It's not like in a normal time travel, you've gone back in the past. So it doesn't matter what happens in the future because if you change it, like if you've gone back into the past 10 years, you technically have 10 years to prevent that event from happening because until you arrive at the point which you left, anything beyond that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on whether you believe that the people in that time are actually living forward without you, blah, blah, blah. Um, So in a normal, yeah. so, So because this is different, once you sever that connection to the past, it essentially erases your consciousness from the past leaving you in the state you were before you arrived in your consciousness mm-hmm. unaware of the events that were taking place yeah yeah so interesting premise <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean i thought i thought that was all cool i don't know and in the end <laughs> it, it's funny because i i i had fun with this movie Steven and just boiled it down to the basics yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like <laughs> it was like yeah. dude, it, 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 it was cute yeah no, yeah. no I, I had fun with this movie and now i'm trying to pinpoint what i had fun with and having trouble recalling <laughs> recalling exactly. like that's exactly what this movie detail. is no but but i still felt all the way through like it like it was good i i didn't feel like it was lagging that much i didn't feel bored of it i enjoyed i enjoyed getting to know the characters again i thought they were done really well like the dynamics between them even having not known the backstory of even the Cuban Missile Crisis, like there were uh, there were comments <laughs> on that, and I was like, okay, well, that probably happened in another movie. <laughs> I guess missiles are bad. Yeah, <laughs> missiles are bad. Okay, no, but uh, that was a bad event. Uh. So I I can definitely say it wasn't it wasn't transcendent in the sense that I certainly can't pinpoint now. Like, oh man, that was really cool. I wish I could watch it again. But it it did a good job keeping the pace up and keeping the action enjoyable like and it wasn't like a mindless action flick either it's not like raining destruction with godzilla all the time like there was much more about characters overcoming personal struggles than there were big mega fight scenes going on yeah Yeah, i mean i appreciated that the fact that i mean aside from uh magneto moving the uh the stadium i mean he didn't really use it for destruction-y purposes like there wasn't any big like oh we're gonna destroy you know half the world well something like that that's what's funny too is like so spoilers i guess uh for the reason magneto is moving the stadium he's just like setting up a barrier around the area where he wants to do some shit (laughs) yeah like the only purpose it it serves is to block the rest of the world about uh, away from these events while using his magnetic powers to redirect all the cameras to show the world what he wants to show them. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. It's very vain. But but if you think about it though, it, it you know, I take I take all that back because mm-hmm. what it was is a way for him to demonstrate the awe of the power of a mutant. Mm-hmm. Um and if he was just like if like there was a bunch of tanks that showed up and he just like crushed the tanks with his magnetic powers like yeah, that's pretty that's scary. But when you freaking levitate a stadium and then drop it on the White House, like, that's pretty bad. Uh, that, that, and, I mean, that he, des- he saw that Batman, deserves so a... he knows that stadium <laughs> yeah. scenes are awesome. That deserves a slow clap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's like in, in, I don't know if you guys, uh, there's like the Star Wars, The Force Unleashed. Um, it was... It was one of those Star Wars games that, like, I don't know whether it's canon or not. Probably not. But mm-hmm. anyways, there's a scene in the game where you're you're playing as Darth Vader. And he basically uses force powers to drop one of those giant, like, I don't I don't know what they're called. Uh, the, the, the big triangle wedge-shaped friggin' ship. Star Destroyer or something? I don't know what they're yeah, called. I think so. Um, I'm losing all sorts of cred for not knowing what the <laughs> hell uh, Star Wars. I almost called it Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you know, yeah, no one about cares to be about connected. those, those wedge shaped Star Wars ships, anyways. But, anyways, so as Darth Vader, you use the force to crash one of those into the surface of this planet and then stop it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like one of those things where, like, first of all, that's stupid because nowhere in any of the films is he that powerful. But if you ignore that, you're like, holy shit, you just use the force to grab a giant freaking spaceship out of space and crash it into the planet 
in front of you. Um, yeah. And super NBD. badass. So, th- so this is like Magneto's attempt to go like world. Have you, could he, in your craziest imagination, could you even imagine somebody ripping apart a stadium, floating it through the sky, and then just slamming it down onto the ground? Yeah. So I think I mi- mean, it, mission it, accomplished. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the mutant equivalent, especially for Fassbender, of just showing off how giant his penis is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Though stadium more resembles a vagina. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. A little if we're, more, if yeah. we're going into details. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> so uh, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't know <laughs> anyways um i just derailed everything right there speaking of derailing speaking of derailing yeah yeah, yeah another, good, another good scene with his powers um uh yeah so anyways uh my friend brought up an interesting question this is all derailing like this should be riffing at the end of it or something like that uh of how do the sentinels run on electricity in the future without magnetism given mm. the fact that electricity and magnetism are the same force you well, can't have one without the other well that does explain why magneto is able to turn them on because i heard other people question like no okay, but I, I, thought, g- I thought the the scene that we just made well, an homage to with the term derail was explaining what happened well in the scene where with the term derailed mm-hmm. um i would explain it as the ability to marionette ah, i see um so, the big question is like, well, I, I, one-to-one, I understand that maybe he could do some marionette-style stuff, but how would they be able to activate on their own? Mm-hmm. But that comment, your question answers my question, which in turn answers your question. To the detriment of the future where it seems like Magneto would be able to stop these things. C- comment, comments are even made, oh, oh, though, I see, I see, being able to manipulate no, but just just like there's a scene in another movie where uh, m- someone takes iron in their blood and that makes Magneto be able to, you know, wreak havoc yeah. or whatever he's doing. Well, I, I think so. I think the idea. So in, in the future, the um, the Sentinels via a certain other mutant's ability had the ability to morph themselves into different materials to fight different mutants. So, say, if you were a fire mutant, I could turn to ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which seems like a bad idea. Are yeah, you going to melt? I guess if you're so ice cold. beat fire? I, I guess it's sub-zero ice. Is there ice, a fire uh, extinguisher uh, Absolute X-Men? zero ice. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. So, it's fire, fire X-Men, you turn to yeah, fire extinguisher Yeah, he's extinguishy. Extinguishy, that's his name. You know, like, the, basically, if you're super metal, then... It could turn to super metal, whatever. It can bounce everything out. So theoretically, as soon as it detects Magneto, it could switch to quote-unquote space-age polymers. <laughs> but it's still got electricity in it, which means he's still able uh, to control electricity it. Electricity behind a lead I see, right. I see, okay. So it's, it's yeah. lead with a protective space-age polymer. I gotcha. Yeah. So you I gotcha. can't get in there. Okay. Work his puppet magic. Yeah. Problem or, solved. Or all it, all it does is... is it, you know, because it's future, so it can it, its processors work even faster than our processors now. Mm-hmm. And what it can do is it can detect the the manipulation that Magneto is applying to it, and then apply the exact like noise canceling headphones. No, noise canceling headphones for a robot. I'm yeah. sold. You so, just did a better job than the movie. I know exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally cool with it now. It's it's like the Borg technology. You know, it gets hit once, so Magneto can like maybe throw it into a wall, but after that, it can't touch it anymore. Okay. Because... Other question: How come Charles Xavier? can't get through a metal hat but he can get through an airport with a million metal things standing in between him and the person no, he's trying to contact the it, it was like a special in in first class they so first of all in first class it's a reference to the fact that he wears his helmet in you know like every it's, it's his classic look um but in first class and carson you might remember better essentially like the russians or somebody made this thing with classic specifically russians. blocks um, which makes sense though, because remember the Russians were all into the ESP and like mm-hmm. they were tr- trying to train the soldiers to be able to do like the brain crap. But anyways, uh, they specifically built this helmet, which it's made of metal, but it's the thing that gives it that ability is not that it is metal; it's the type of metal that it's okay. used. So it specifically blocks. It blocked out psychic Magneto. energy. Yeah. Tin, tin foil. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tin foil helmet. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. So I have no more questions. <laughs> all right. So, one question for you, Stephen. Great movie or greatest movie? 
Is there a good, good movie a category? Little, I think... I think that's a little extreme catch my drift. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, does anybody have any last comments before we get to for real Z's verdicts? Um, I, I will say, uh, as he is and everything, Peter Dinklage is awesome, and his 70s outfit was pretty great, and uh, makes me wonder what it would be like if I if he went back in time and was around when the original <laughs> RoboCop came out, and he was like one of the company douches. And like the boardroom, because that whole scene where he was like describing the Sentinels reminded me of RoboCop right. when they're describing like the the uh, the one robot that I can't remember. But yeah, like he was cool. That's that's my point. Uh, he, yeah, he was good. I have one other yeah. question. Yes, and this is just about X Men canon. Uh, Beast, when he is not inhibiting his abilities. Is he still a, like, Mark Ruffalo Hulk-type character who goes back and forth, or is he 100% beast? So, Carson, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the first film, he tries to undo his power and accidentally turns himself into the beast. Um, Because he he just had weird feet and was really smart before, Mm -hmm. but he tries to create this serum that will undo his power so he can be normal. Um, You know, right around the time that he's having, like loving talks with uh, with J-Law uh, yeah. Yeah, with, <laughs> yeah with Jennifer Lawrence as she's trying to be like but I'm mystique and like can't you see that it's better to be normal or not normal um, but then he blue, injects himself blue, yeah. That was like, yeah well he, he wasn't blue the before. great impression and he injects yeah that's what he is he's using her DNA right I, I, I don't remember specifically but yeah he was trying to make himself normal because all he had was beast feet and then he turned into like <laughs> yeah. mega beast beast feet would be such a boring X-Men character <laughs> he, he really is uh-huh. he turns actually turns into a better X-Men character once he's all smurf blue and angry yeah but basically he was normal looking except his feet um, yeah. he was still strong and stuff but he just w- wasn't like but he beastie. looked normal and then at the end, he got yeah, super He basically beastie. tries to fix himself and, you know, doesn't carry the one and ends up being the beast. <laughs> and the prequel to that movie is Beastly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. Is that, has everyone done with their questions? <laughs> we're, we're all done. Okay. So, basically, Steven just needs to watch First Class. Yeah, I got to watch First All class. questions will be answered. Yeah, once do I need to watch the Wolverine ones? Do they explain anything no, I need to no. know? No, because those are all getting retconned, too. Okay. Those are, I mean, if you want a good nap, they, you can they watch They explained the, the relevance of the one dude, but I could have figured, like, I could tell what they were hinting at anyway. The, uh, the I, I, general soldier or whatever. Actually, the Wolverine is good. Okay. I would watch it. You know, the third act has some problems, but it, in, in general, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, I disagree, but it, yeah. It's not required to participate in this discussion at all so yeah it doesn't really sync up with any of the other movies yeah i mean in terms of you needing to see it but there's a giant adamantium samurai so i'm sold spoilers (laughs) i need to watch it (laughs) all right so carson why don't you start us off and let us know if you're going to give this a must see a reckon with a caveat wait for rental pass with a caveat or must avoid what would you give it well, I'm a real clever bitch, so I'm going to give X-Men Days of Future pass with a caveat. So, um, I was wondering where you are going with that, and I was like, ah, oh, oh, slow clap. Uh, the caveat being the, the cast is uniformly great. Uh, unfortunately, they don't really get to do a whole lot in this movie, and what is potentially super awesome doesn't really amount to a whole lot. And like I said... If you're directing the sequel to a Matthew Vaughn film, you have your work cut out for you because it's uh, it's it's a tough act to follow. So I'm gonna give it a pass with a caveat. Well, just just remember though, Carson, that uh, these are mutants and not superheroes, so it didn't have a chance to be super awesome. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just extremely good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but uh, I will say. Uh, also, I will say that it doesn't—it doesn't help that the last trailer before seeing X Men was Guardians of the Galaxy, and also Matthew Vaughn's new movie looks better than this. So there you go. All right, Stephen. <laughs> okay, um, I think the movie had a few plot holes, but like Wolverine getting plummeted with holes, he's able to <laughs> mend himself. So I will recommend, with a caveat, this movie. <laughs> to try to combat Carson's pass pun 
Um, <laughs> but that's also my rating. I recommend with a caveat. I think I... I, I went a little back and forth about it. I knew last night, so I was kind of tired when I watched it last night to begin with, but I know I was having fun, and definitely the actors and the strengths of the character moments in this movie made it watchable enough to convince me I need to go back and watch the ones that I've missed in the meantime. So I can imagine, had I seen them, it would only be stronger for me, the uh, expository parts. And it's awesome enough. Uh, I like expository. I like, expository. <laughs> I, I, I like the new actors. That's different than suppository. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I suppose. So wish. I suppose that the previous movies were as good as this one. They seem pretty awesome. I'm excited to see that there is something other than the Downey Jr. Marvel universe that I can get excited about again. Um, yeah, seems fun. Chris? I am also going to give it a recommend with a caveat. Um, really, the only caveat is just that if you're like me and you can't <laughs> ignore like time things that films do, uh, I think there's very simple ways. To, like I think this film did a, an actual pretty good job of handling the time mechanics and setting up the way they believe time works and, and how you can affect and change the future. Uh, I just think that the places that they chose to travel to, like in, in the timeline where they chose to travel through and where they chose to place certain events in the context of the timeline as a whole are, are where the writing failed, not in the mechanic of what they were trying to do. Though to be um, fair, maybe uh, exposition that explained that the gap in that a little bit more would have made you happy without caring about the time travel part. Well, well no, like my, my, I'm more saying that like it like I'm fine with an event like maybe maybe an event uh, caused a mutant to be captured in the past, but the Sentinels didn't come about. And like I just the Sentinels have to be introduced after the third X Men three. Right, right. For me to be able to accept any of this premise, you, at all. you can't accept that the R and D would be like tabled for forty years or whatever. Yeah, it just well because it's not like we're seeing we're seeing the Sentinels introduced to the to the to the public in you know, 1960s or whatever, uh, and we're not, like, the other three films don't have any reference save for a danger room scene where a simulation presents a giant robot, um, which, A, doesn't look anything like these Sentinels, um, and B, whatever. <laughs> like, sold. <laughs> two reasons are always better than one, but I had no second reason. Um, my point is just that, like, things had to be, like, the puzzles have to be placed in a different order, in order for the sequence to work for me. Um, it's like, you know, we're playing mm -hmm. Mastermind, yeah. and they have all the right pegs, they just don't have them in the right order. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to stick with that one. Well, I mean, I guess, the, I guess the Sentinels would look different because that whole movie got retconned, or ratconned. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see what you did there. But yeah, I um, but I mean, come on. I mean, in the words of the great Sir Ben Kingsley, Time will erase everything. <laughs> the dagger. So, <laughs> yes. The dagger turns back times. Uh, all right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he was in that movie, right? Kingsley? I think he was yeah, the bad yeah. guy. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. That, that's why he was referencing him. Good, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I think we'll, we'll leave it on that note. Time will erase everything, including possibly our memory of this years in the future. <laughs> um, but that is the end of the episode. So, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me on practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? Uh, you can find me at sdavidmiller.com, twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, or facebook.com slash sdavidmiller. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find our new website over at thespoilerwarning.com. Same address, new site. Or new dot the spoiler warning, right? Is yeah, that, that still that, linking? That's still activated, but just redirect. So if you want to feel new, then you can type the word new. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to be normal... If you, want to be, if you want to be a human, you can type just the spoilerwarning.com. If you want to be a mutant, you can do new.thespoilerwarning.com. Who types in URLs anymore? I mean, come on. Uh, it says the guy who doesn't have Twitter <laughs> or Facebook. I type at least the first, like, four letters of a URL. Yeah. Unless it's Facebook, then I type F-A and hit enter, and it always works. Yeah. Except for, like, when I clear my <laughs> all my browsers and stuff like that. And I'm like, da -da oh, shoot, what's going on? Uh, awesome bar, not so awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways. You got sent back to the Stone Age. That's right. New site. 
there's new feeds. So if you were in iTunes or anything that's cool that I actually can read the redirect code that I put into the feed, you should already be on the new feed. It's feeds.thespoilerwarning.com slash enhance.xml or mp3.xml. You don't have to remember that URL. Just go to the site, click subscribe, and there will be links to iTunes and to the feeds themselves so you guys can get that. If for some reason this episode isn't showing up for you, which now that I think of it doesn't really make sense, because if you don't, if you're not already on the new feeds, you're not yeah. even listening to this anyway. If you're not hearing this, go back in time. Yes. Yeah. Fix it. I'll make go back it so you have heard this to before. Uh, I flip the DNS switch <laughs> and tell myself not to do it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, you can contact us by sending an email to fans at the or call and leave us a voicemail at seven six zero five seven five four TSW at seven six zero five seven five four eight seven nine. You can also, if you don't want to type an email yourself, just go to the site, hit contact us or contact whatever the link says, and there's a little form there. You can find some bunch of your stuff and send it to us, and it's really easy. And it's super adorbs. Cute. Yeah, it's adorbs. Totes towards totes adorbs. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, twitter.com slash spoiler warning to figure out when the episodes go live or facebook.com slash the spoiler warning if you want to like us there. And that's everything. Music for the episode will come from the soundtrack to X Men Days of Future Past. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having me. And what's next week, guys? A uh, million ways to die in the West. All right. Mm. All million of them. We're going to be talking <laughs> about really, next week. That really the biggest coming out next week? <laughs> Not, nothing it's, else? Uh, it's that and uh, Maleficent, so... Ooh, dude, we got to be talking about Maleficent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we I love about Mesa. We got to talk about Maleficent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it can't be any worse than Snow White and Angelina Huntsman, Jolie right? has never led me astray. I, yeah. I trust her. <laughs> I mean, Salt was great, mm. right, guys? Hey, I, mean... I, I liked Salt. It wasn't good. No. It wasn't good. <laughs> But if she's on screen, I'm going to like it. I I I like the Tomb Raider games, and that makes me kind of like her by association with Tomb Raider. Wait, in all seriousness, though. Seriously. um, I specifically remember we both hated Salt, right? I may have said it was a bad movie. I thought we both were like must avoid or whatever the ratings were before there were no ratings. I'll have to go back and check, but if you popped it on right now, I'd watch it. I'm, I'm gonna no dude I would <laughs> anyways speaking of popping on things right now that I would watch alright <laughs> dear god rise of the planet of the apes or dawn of the planet of the apes oh, whatever the hell that looks pretty cool dude so freaking good that, that, I, that looks cool to that me. trailer I thought you were I, uh, I'm I, I think I'm more excited for Tates uh, in space I mean come on Anyways, come on, C Tates is gay Spock. Let's do it right now. Yeah, Jupiter ascending is gonna be cool and fun, (laughs) but but I'm sorry that like when that trailer ended, I was like, okay, first of all, there was this douchebag in the theater right behind me, Uh where like he talked through every 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 freaking trailer except for the Planet of the Apes trailer where he finally shut up. That's how awesome this trailer was. He was seeing his own kind on. Yeah, no, no, no. But okay, so, so put it this way: this this kid, if you're listening, kid, you go hang yourself. Yeah. Um, no, don't do that. That'd be bad. Um, no, no, but this kid pissed me off. So like he's sitting there, and the the this is like way after the show, but who cares? So wait, was he a teenager? Or was he like a fifty year old dude? No, he was like a teenager, like 15, okay. 15 to eighteen. Yeah. Anyways, well, then he sucks. So he's sitting there with four friends, and and he's talking through every trailer. Then the day, uh, the Edge of Tomorrow trailer comes on, and he goes, "Oh my God, so 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 good! Oh my God, so good!" So Tom was Cru- he orgasming? Like pretty much. But then check this out. So Tom Cruise is explaining. He's like, "Let me tell you something. You know, you're not gonna believe me at first, but this is a crazy story. Blah blah blah." And you know, the trailer is explaining the mechanics to where he dies every day and comes back. And he's yeah, on the train. yeah. This guy's like, "All right, dude. So check this out, right? So there's a soldier, <laughs> and he realizes, and he's explaining the premise of the freaking movie uh, during a trailer that explains the premise of the freaking movie." What a dickhole. Oh, my God. I, I wanted to get up and just be like, it's in the freaking trailer. <laughs> like, you just heard it. Like, it's one thing if you're Ugh. like, let me show you this trailer. It's really awesome. And you're like, eh, I don't really watch it. No, check it out. So this guy keeps dying in every single day. And you're like, okay, I'll watch that trailer, right? It's okay I'm to explain it. I'm surprised his friend didn't slap him. It's, it's okay to explain it before or after, give, de- depending on the context of the situation. Well, it was but, like he traveled back in time like two minutes, so he didn't realize that the trailer was on already. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I wanted to punch him. His damn face, but yeah. to his credit, like as soon as that trailer for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes came on, he just shut the hell up, and I got to watch it in peace and like go. Like, and Maybe then, his friend actually just punched him in the wiener and he just <laughs> shut up. 
Maybe. I'm trying Maybe. to remember. There was one other trailer that I saw that made me laugh where it was, I, I cannot remember what it was, where the way it's set up, they're basically telling you every theme of the movie just like directly in the, I, I wish I could remember what it was. Otherwise, this is not a good contribution. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go play. back in time and retcon that out. Yeah. Wait, let's okay. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just select that track and hit X, command X. And then... Just let there be dead air for like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you're that kid and you're listening, thank you for listening too. <laughs> and if you understand the post credit scene, then talk to me because I don't understand it. I, I had to look it up. Uh, so y- y- You don't like Michael Sarah building pyramids? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought it looked like... Uh... I thought it looked like Saoirse Ronan, to be honest. But that was just me. I knew it wasn't Michael Sarah, but I was like, who's this Michael Sarah wannabe? I would love to see Michael Sarah as a villain in something. Dude, honestly, I thought it was Ra from Stargate. I was like, what is he doing in here? Uh, tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. I'll be back in time.